Welcome to Open Studios, a podcast brought to you by PerformView, the digital home for experimental performance. My name is Asia Stewart. I'm a performance artist and the founding artistic director of PerformView. I'll also be your host. In every episode, I'll be sitting down with a different artist to take a virtual step inside their studio to learn more about their practice and motivations. And in this episode, I am so happy to be speaking with Natasha Volyakovsky. Natasha Volyakovsky is an Argentine activist and hardcore political performance artist. Influenced by their involvement in movements for reproductive justice and queer rights, Natasha advocates for bodily autonomy and control. As a high testosterone Jewish woman, Natasha is very interested in achieving liberation through somatic practices and expanding access to public space for women, non-binary folks, and gender non-conforming people. Welcome to the podcast, Natasha. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. I know that your identity as an artist is very much linked to your work as an activist. Could you talk a bit about what first politicized you as a young person growing up in Argentina? And how do you trace your development as an artist? As you said, I born in Argentina and I grew up there. So I, I came here just once, going to be like two years ago. The majority of the people, we are really engaged socially or politically. We go to the streets. That's the way we manifest. That's the way we said to the government what we want to say. Saying that I'm an activist is a way of expressing the kind of art that I do. And also an easy way to express that I do social justice. And what I do is exactly use my art to express one of those messages. I always say this. uh, My main objective is to create some sort of question in the people that they are going to see art. When you really have the capacity to open some question in the audience, that moment is where I think my job is done. And in general, what I try to open are questions related to social issues. You mentioned the fact that your practice is very much something that is socially engaged. You're very interested in social justice. You have been involved in so many different movements. You've been out on the streets. Why is it important for you, for your artwork to be socially engaged? It's something that came through my living also. Um, like since I born, I have like different artistic manifestations. I still draw. So I still have like that classical or traditional way of expressing myself. But at the same time, since I born, I've been surviving different situations and my body was the center of the whole story. So that experience of my body, that is the experience of a lot of different bodies moves to create this kind of art. When the experience of the body is so big, how can you go and, I don't know, and paint or just do a sculpture? For me, performance is a way of directly showing and expressing and sharing what I've been through and what a lot of people are still going through. Sometimes when I do things that they are extreme or they are related with pain, they ask me around that. And it's like, well, reality is like that, you know? We are all the time around pain. We are all the time around different scenarios. That's doing something that is true. For me, performance art is the truest art that we can do. And it's the most meaningful type of art. Doing a performance out there, place where we are going to fight that is 
like the battlefield, especially in Argentina or the whole Latin America, trying to put a message in a way that is really understandable for everyone and not just to the art community, something for the people and by the people. And you've referenced your involvement in this act of protest and different performances. Uh, how did your experiences uh, in these marches influence or how have they influenced your artistic projects? So Ni Una Menos is a movement that changed everything thanks to that movement and other movements, of course, there is a lot of movements. We got the abortion law. In Argentina, we used to have illegal abortion, like our whole life. And now that relates a lot because here in America, we are fighting for that as well. Having the possibility to express ourselves around a community to say what we wanted to say and to be heard by a lot of people. Give me the action of going out there. And since then, I started doing a lot of performances in public spaces. I started using different uh, representational elements that they are related to marches. So their art has a different experience, a different display. It's not a museum, it's not a gallery, it's not a space where you are going to have a profit of that. You don't have a grant to develop that work. You are not being hired. You don't have a contract. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can see behind you where you're sitting right now, I can see one of the flags or banners that also reminds me of the flags or banners that someone would wave in the streets during a protest. And I believe the flag behind you there says, my body is not state property. Yeah, it's the one that I've used in Arkansas and has a lot of blood there, as you can see. So yeah, I create flags with the same traditional material that flags for marches, like in general, political flags are used in Argentina. And it's a really liked material. There are also like the soccer flags. Our movement in the street is super related to the soccer movement. Uh, so I always call this idea of the soccer performativity, mm. call it football. So it's more like a football performativity that we all have. Like we shout, we go to the street, we manifest. And also this idea of having a flag, of some having something that you bring, is having a message. It's not something that you can decide to interpret or not to interpret. It's something that is there. It's a concrete message, it's uh, straightforward. And when you put a message in the public space, suddenly creates a new meaning. So yeah, these flags also are a way to give life to these messages. I did different performances around the world. There is another one, for example, that I did in Czech Republic, where I was in the floor with a flag over me that says women at war, femicides are a big thing. And it's not something that you see in the news because nobody cares about. And the death of women, queer people or non-binary people, they are not recognized. They are not honorable. You know, we, we die and we are nothing. No one cares about us. So that was my way of saying we want to honor also this dead. And I think in the performance that you did in the Czech Republic of wrapping your body in the red flag and the banner, you're creating a space for public mourning and recognition of femicide and of, of the death and silences that uh, have been allowed to occur for so long. The other thing that comes to mind for me when I think of the slogans and the text that you print on on your flags and on your banners, they're very clear, they're concise. It's easy for people to understand what you're 
there for, what you're standing for, what you're calling for. There is no room for misinterpretation. And I'm thinking also of some of the phrases that I've seen printed on flags at different performances. We have my body's not state property. At a performance last, I believe it was last year at the Center for Performance Research in New York, you had a flag that said abortion is a life need. In another instance, you had a flag that said es una pregunta abierta. They're very powerful as an audience member being able to read those words, to see those words, and to know what they mean in relationship to you and, and your experience and your body. Yeah, the, the one you said in Spanish is, it is an open question. And that one was the first one in 2017 that I brought, into, I brought into the public space. And it's more like an open question to everything that was happening in that moment. For example, like gender things or who is having an abortion mm-hmm. or like people that we carry uterus. So it's mm-hmm. not, that is not a gender thing related mm-hmm. or how to manage our hormones or things like that. I think the open question is still there because what I like about these phrases is that you can reapply them to different contexts. And our our conversation about flags and banners is making me think of another material or object that comes up in a lot of your performances, which is blood. What is the significance of of, of blood and performances for you? And why do you continuously return to it as, as a material? You know, the other day I was thinking about this because like... Right now, I'm going through a hormonal change. Like, I've been growing my testosterone too much. So I needed to lower it. And right now, I'm having like a 10-day period. That maybe for some people is normal, but I used to have like four days. And it was like, that's all the time for some of us. And the other day, I, I went to the doctor and they took blood from me because I'm still recovering from a chronic illness. So it's like, blood is always there. For a lot of us, people that go through different illness that they need to go through treatments or people that has uterus, blood is there for a lot of us mm-hmm. all the time. It's something that is honest for me. It's something that at the same time for society is super taboo because it's not in our culture to understand how to manage blood or how to take care of our siblings or our lovers. And we are not talking about abortion, like all the abortions that they are around in my life because I help people to do that. So it's like blood here and there. Work with blood for me is honest work. When you see blood there and you know that it's real, you instantly know that you are carrying blood. And if Mm -hmm. you cut yourself in a bad place, you can die. So it's like, yeah, humanity is so complicated, but at the same time, we are so fragile and we can die so mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not hard to die. So blood is all that. We can speak all day about this. And you know, something that happens to me that is so curious. When I do a performance that relates blood, I don't know why. And doesn't matter in which moment of the month I am, I got my period. It's like the blood calling more blood. Blood is so interesting uh, because we associate red and crimson with life and vitality. But yet, as as you're saying, if we see blood, if we see a large quantity of human blood or really blood of any kind, it also begs the question of what had to have happened to produce that quantity of blood. Some wound, uh, a cut, an injury, violence, something opening the vessels that then spills forth the blood. It is a very, as you said, it's very honest when, when you see it. It's very human and it does remind people of their own fragility. 
vulnerability, their own susceptibility to pain, to violence, to injury. Yeah, I, I was thinking about how also was the way I grew up in my family there were all the time someone that it was in the hospital like different reasons when you grew up with different scenarios something of that is permanent in the way you see reality in the way you perceive things and for me blood is something that is always there well, I have blood in my fridge, as you know. I have all my tools for performance. You know, I'm the one that friends has a surgery and they call me to help clean their wounds. I'm related to blood because I understand and I know how to manage this. But at the same time, it's a way of healing. It's mm -hmm. a new way of connecting to blood. When I say all that I said about the past and what I've been through is because I'm here and it's a way of me remembering and being proud of what I've been through and also to to know and to acknowledge that there is a lot of people that they are still there. How do you go about preparing your body for the extreme hardcore performances that you create? What does that process look like of preparation? Well, I have my own training method. What is this method? This method is like a way of designing a training system, analyzing different variables that are going to be around the performance that me or you or we are going to develop to create a system to prepare yourself physically, mentally, and socially to get to that objective. For me, what is the most important is how to recover from that. So depends in the action that I'm going to develop is the kind of training that I'm going to do. It's a training towards being present because if you are going to do something that is risky and if you are not in the present, a lot of potential disasters <laughs> could happen. I mean, this is also something that is present in whatever kind of performance that you're going to do. Like if you're going to talk in public or if you're going to do any sport, I'm all the time taking as an example soccer because it's so popular in my country and we are all watching soccer all the time so you are a soccer player imagine that and you are preparing yourself there are two regular basis preparations so one is physically that is muscle breathing resistance endurance and the other one is more psychological you go to the field you do what you have to do or what you are supposed to be prepared for and i try to take the kind of like the same balance. I analyze what is going to be the physical development or that action or the physical risk. And I also take accountability of what are the psychological parts that are going to be related. And one thing that I've been working in the past years is like how to prepare also my community, the people that they are more close to me, because I understood that every time that I do a performance also change everyone because they are scared, because they are excited. And the way this action could change me and could change that people could also change our relationship. What does that look like, the process of trying to prepare your community, trying to prepare people who are close to you for the experience of watching one of your performances? Or you also mentioned the idea of recovery, of, of what does it look like in the days, the weeks, months, years after 
the performance? What does that work? Well, we, we can take an example. Um, let me see. Abortion is a life need. It was kind of easy to prepare people because um, I understood what was the physical risk and I was sharing that information with them. There weren't too much physical risk. It was more like an emotional risk. I needed to insert two catheters in my skin, but I needed to do it by myself. The challenge for me was going through that by myself alone. And I was scared of not being able to do it for the performance. But I was aware that if I was doing things wrong, it wasn't a risk of dying. It wasn't a risk that I wanted, I needed to go to the hospital, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that way, it was like, yeah, probably I'm going to be scared. I could faint. I could have a lot of blood or a lot of bruises, but it's not like a really big risk. It's more mm -hmm. like emotional. So mm -hmm. they knew I was going to need emotional support. And at the same time, I was going to be super satisfied if I was able to do it. And yeah, I was able to do it. So they were kind of like having a little, a little of emotional pain because they see like they was, they were watching the, the catheters through my skin. But at the same time, I know that people that knows me, they are proud of me of doing what I want to do. And in general, they ask me, okay, what do you need after your performance? And in those cases, I'm super able to share what I need. That's such an important thing to be able to do, to verbalize exactly what it is that you need. And to also be in a place where you can, you have the foresight to plan your own recovery. How are you going to respond? How are you processing that work? This type of art that in my case, and in so many cases, is real things because it's super different when you do a representation or when you do a kind of performance that is more related to dance or theater. The things that I do is something that in general I do once. I'm not trained to do that every day of my life. It's something that I prefer especially to go through. Your performances are massive undertakings. Your new video, The Denied Body, A Refuge of Trauma, considers what happens when a person in pain enters a state of denial. Now that you've completed this new video and you're going to be installing this work in a few days, how are you feeling about the work, about this new project? When I do this kind of works that they are not live, it's different. Because mm -hmm. they are like, for me, they are really intimate words. And I'm kind of like open my heart, open my soul, open everything. It's a different experience. Like we've been talking about training and how we prepare ourselves. So this is a different experience. I don't have any physical risk, but it's more like an emotional process. I was there with my face covered in blood and that was a moment of calling all my trauma. It seems like an easy action for me for the type of actions that I go through. But it was emotionally hard. So seeing myself again and again and again in that video, it was like when you revisit all the time something and you cannot escape that. But at the same time, I think that that sensation is exactly what the piece is talking about. Is that trauma that doesn't go and how you function in your daily life with that trauma and how we dissociate, how we change, how we try to be functional. It is very intimate, I think, watching this new video work that you've created. The viewer sits with you the entire time. It's a very close shot, and we can't help but watch you take your fingers that have been dipped in blood and rub your hands, rub your fingers along your face. It's impossible to look away. It's impossible to really to turn away from that. 
Uh, and it's, it's interesting to have an installation where although your physical body is absent, your essence is very much present in that space. Yes, hopefully the installation, because it's not already finished, hopefully we are going to have three flags. There are going to be new flags. And these flags, because they weren't activated in the public space, the idea is that the audience could interact with that. And it'll be interesting to watch the flags mark time and mark the various interactions that members of the public have in the installation and to watch the flags change color too and carry the imprint of of all of the visitors. I also just want to ask you a question that you've asked others earlier this summer, and it's a question that also relates in part to the title of this new work, The Denied Body. What have you or what has your body been denied? Oh, so many things. I've been denied respect, justice, love recognition my papers also (laughs) like i've been denied in so many ways so many times in so many different scenarios growing up also i denied myself too because you learn that and you learn how to function that way when you've been denied so many times you have as i have this dissociation in mind and body it's like a dissociation about who you are so the experience of the mind and the body put it together is something hard so you keep denying yourself in different ways there are a lot of ways of denying yourself all these last performances that i've been doing video performances and live performances is a way of calling me back i'm trying to stop being so much dissociated all the time mm-hmm. and stop denying myself because I know I'm still going to get denied by the outside. How can you love yourself and respect yourself if you are also being the first one denying yourself? That's the process. What I'm showing is like yeah, an, an ongoing work. In many ways, your practice is redemptive. It's restorative. It's healing. It's that, that healing that you talked about earlier too. In Closing, Natasha, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share or speak about anything that we haven't touched on yet. Is there anything else that you you wanted to bring up or discuss that we haven't touched on already? I'm the director and founder of a platform in Argentina. So having this type of project, they are a huge difference for the community. Performance art has been always there, but it's not something that, from my perspective, is really appreciated. So having Perform View uplift a lot of artists could be a game changer. And I'm super excited to see how it goes. We as artists creating projects that we already know what we need and what we want and how we want to do things. And I and I guess asking the question that we were just talking about before, what have we been denied? What have we been denied as artists? What have institutions in various spaces chosen not to disseminate and share with artists so they can have a practice that's sustainable and, and fruitful and and I don't know, one that can extend with longevity, right? And so how do we as artists try to find ways to build that and create that and sustain that for ourselves? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for being here with me today, Natasha, for for engaging in this conversation. Congratulations on your upcoming opening. 
I encourage anyone who's listening to go check it out on Governor's Island at Transporter Art. It's been so wonderful for me to watch your work for so many years and to now be in community with you and to be working, collaborating with you. So thank you for your support and thank you for all that you do for other artists. Thank you, Asya. Thank you very much for listening, holding this space and creating so many things because you are part of the exhibition too. And we are not talking about that. I think that's super important. Um, the day I have called you to do this project together was a way also of engaging and creating this, this sisterness in, in how we live our art and how we experience things and you know having a conversation well thank you for being open for this conversation and hopefully many more of course this episode of open studios was produced by me asia stewart if you are interested in watching incredible performance work i highly recommend that you check out perform view head to www.performview.com